Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Go to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4. You know, I've got a couple of more scriptures. Now, we've been studying hearing from the Lord and, and uh, how He speaks to us. We've studied the, you know, how the Word speaks to us, the the inward witness out of Romans chapter 8, how the inward witness of God speaks. Now, something you have to understand is that God can do all the communicating and speaking that He wants. But if you're not able to hear that, it ain't going to do you any good. You've got to be in a position to hear. Now, I talked about last week how it seemed to me that God was blending what we were teaching on Wednesday night with what we've been teaching on Sunday and, and tonight's going to be no exception. He's blending it even more. I'm amazed as I study these things the Lord has given me in the past few weeks, how it just, revelation knowledge is kind of like a, a, a throwing a rock into a, in, into a clear pool or a calm pool. You know how the ripples go out? You know, they just go out further and further from where the initial splash took place. Well, in the natural, those ripples get smaller and smaller, smaller the further it goes out. In the spirit, they get bigger and bigger. Amen. Now, everything that happened uh, in the garden that caused the fall of man and everything that God did for mankind through redemption took place through communication, through God speaking to people and people hearing from God. God speaking to people, people hearing from God. And, and, and I, I use four different, uh, uh, what would you call it? just words trying to communicate to you exactly what I was seeing in the Word of God. We talked about the intention of God. We talked about the influence of God. We talked about our perception. And then we talked about our persuasion and how those four things kind of blend together to kind of create this, 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 for lack of a better term, this genre of communication in which God speaks to people on the earth. Now, the 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 perception part of this, I got into the, to the Word this week and got into my concordance, and I did not realize how much there is in the Word about perceiving or perception and how influence changes what you perceive or your perception and how much God tries to communicate to you through perception. Now, let's just take for a moment before we go to our Scripture here, Let's just take for a moment what happened in the garden. You know, the intention of God was not what happened. The intention of God was not that man would be created and fall into death. It was not the intention of God that God that man would fall into sin and sickness and disease and, and poverty and lack. That was not the intention of God. But another source came in. Another influence came in. And that influence was able to change the perspective, the perspective of the woman. Now, when the enemy said to, 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 to the woman in the garden... Uh, you know, uh, that phrase that he used when, when he said, you know, uh, hath God said that, you know, you should not eat of the trees of the, of, of the garden. And she said, well, God had said we should not eat, at least we die. And he said this, he said, you shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, you shall be like God's, knowing good and evil. That immediately changed her perception. Now, you've got to understand how powerful words are when it comes to influencing you. They're extremely powerful. That's why you've got to not only guard what you say, you've got to guard what you hear. Jesus said, be careful not only what you hear, but how you hear it. Because instantaneously you can have a perception change and you can be on the path to a persuasion process that can persuade you of something very negative in life. I've seen it happen. I've seen the, seen the devil try to run that on me several times in my life of serving God where he tried to get me under the influence of something to change my, perspection, my, my uh, perception of something in order that I might be persuaded of something that was not even real. Amen. I did a, a message a while back. I went back and looked at the notes of it the other day because it kind of blends in with this called the anatomy of a lie. Now you've got to think about this because this is a powerful thing. That's why God hates lies so much is because a lie pulls its power from the ability of the truth to be the truth, a lie being told and accepted, how can I say it? It, it, it? it demands that same attention. You see what I'm saying? 
It demands. You know, a lie will be told you or a lie will be said over the, over the, uh, over the news waves or a, or a lie will be told you by a neighbor or a friend or, or a co-worker and it demands the same attention that the truth would. Give me your attention. Listen to what I said. Well, if it's a lie, it ought to be totally discarded. Just like in the, in, the, in, the, in the garden when the enemy, when the adversary brought this influential word to the woman, which was a lie, it should have been immediately rejected. You say, why? Because it went crossways of what God had said. Now, here, here in Acts chapter 4, let's, let's look at this. We're going to go through some, some stages and phases of this. Look at verse, uh, oh, let's start there in verse 11. This is a, a, a Peter speaking. Uh, there's been a great move of God has begun. Uh, thousands of people have gotten saved. Uh, people have gotten healed. A, a great miracle took place at the, at the Gate Beautiful. Uh, uh, religion is getting very intimidated. And religion controls people. That's what it does. And it controls people through intimidation, through manipulation, control, and it does its best to influence people. Because if you get under the influence of religion, your perception will change and you'll be fully persuaded of things that aren't even true. Uh, I keep going back to, I know I hadn't uh, rehearsed this in a while, but I had a friend who's a, who's a pastor and, a, and came out of a denominational background. And he believes in divine healing and praying for the sick. And his, his mother uh, got uh, terminal cancer and, and she was of a particular denomination. And so he went to her and said, Mom, you know, let me pray for you. Let's believe God together for healing. And she told him this. She said, no, I can't do that. And she, he said, why can't you do that? He said, because this is what God has given me in order, to, in order for, him to, for my life to glorify him on the earth. And he said, well, how is God going to be glorified by you dying of cancer? And he said, she said, I don't know. It's just one of those mysteries of God. Well, see, she had been so indoctrinated by the denomination that she was part of that she totally believed that it was the will of God for her to die of cancer. Not only did she believe that, she believed God put that cancer on her in order to glorify God. That's a total lie, and it put her in her grave before she should have went to her grave. Amen? Now, in this great move of God, religion is getting stirred up. They had already put Peter, in the, Peter and some of the disciples in the prison. Now they're out, they're standing in front of them. I like, look up, up at verse 8. The Bible says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said, Thank God the Holy Ghost can come on the scene. Amen? Because he always speaks the truth. Then he goes down, begins to talk about the name of Jesus. Jesus, verse 11 says, This is the stone which was set at naught of ye builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now notice verse 13. It says, now when they, they are speaking of that, the, the leadership of the, of the Jewish religion that was in Jerusalem at the time. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter, now notice this, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them and they, that they had been with Jesus. Now notice this. These are men that are not born again. These are men that are not even wanting to be saved or born again. These are men that are religious, but when a man full of the Holy Ghost got in their presence and began to speak, they perceived. Everybody say perceived. I'm going to give you a definition, a little bit better definition than I've been giving you on Sunday here in just a moment. They perceived something. Now this shows you something right here. That perception is a powerful force in humanity. And it enables people to see things or to understand things that you just don't really get, you know, just by book knowledge or by, you know, watching something on TV, the internet. There is a perception that begin to take place as Peter began to get up and speak and talk about the name of Jesus. The first thing they perceived is this. These guys didn't get this through education. They hadn't gone to our schools. They hadn't sat under our teachers. They hadn't been in our rabbinical schools. They're not Pharisees. They're not Sadducees. They're not part of our group. These are what? These are fishermen. These are unlearned and ignorant men. How are they getting this information? A perception was taking place. Then the perception was concluded with this. They've been with Jesus. Now, that was their what? What was that? That was their source of influence. 
That was Peter and James and John and all of that 120 that got baptized in the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Listen, their influence was what? Their influence was Jesus. Their influence was, was Jesus and their perception of what was going on in the world and what they were supposed to do to stay obedient to God and to stay in His will had empowered them by the Holy Ghost to become so powerful in the things of God that all, that all fallen humanity had to do was to listen and observe and they could tell, these, uh, th- these, ain't, these ain't regular fishermen here. These, no, these ain't normal fishermen. Uh-uh. No, we, we, can tell. They're, we can tell by the way they dress. We can tell by their accent. We can tell by the way they talk. They're unlearned and ignorant men. But there's something going on here. We've been hearing about this stirring in Jerusalem. We heard about all that stuff that happened and 3,000 people got saved. We heard about that man in the gate, beautiful. We saw him running around the temple. I'm telling you, there's something going on here. There's a perception that comes into the world when God's people are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That's why the influence of the Word of God and the influence of the Spirit of God needs to dominate us. If it does not dominate us, then what dominates us? Now, your perception can change very quickly depending on what you're under the influence of. Now, many of you, and I'm not going to pick on anybody, but many of you know what it's like to be under the influence of something, amen, other than, you know, being sober. And it doesn't take much, you know, a few beers, a few, a few, uh, a few drinks of alcohol, a few shots of whiskey, a, a few bottles of tequila, you know, a few joints, a few pills, a few snorts of this or, or that. And I guarantee you, all of a sudden, you come, and, and the law literally has a term for it, you come under the influence, And under the influence, it's an amazing phenomenon. What people do under the influence. I mean, to the point that that, that our society don't even want you to drive. And you know, you ever notice that when people get drunk, the first thing they want to do is drive. Let's go for a drive. Their perception is distorted because they've come under the influence of something. And it's amazing how it's not just alcohol and drugs, but there's all kinds of things. That's why you're going to have to be careful careful this year into next year not to come under the influence of something political. Because if you sit and feed on politics day after, I don't care, right side, left side, upside, downside, you know, pineapple upside down cake, doesn't matter. But if you get under the influence of that, it's going to change your perspective. And you can become totally convinced, fully persuaded that something is what it isn't. Amen? You can't get under the influence of Hollywood and entertainment. I I had somebody one time in my life, and and I was noticing that this person had turned into just a cynic. There was never anything that they did not look at from a cynical angle. I mean, everything was a joke to them. Everything was nothing serious. I mean, and I, you know, I like to cut up and, and all that stuff like everybody else. But this person was just taking it to an extreme. So I got to praying about it because this person was involved in ministry with us. I got to praying about it. And the Lord showed me a television show. And I thought to myself, now what, what, can, what, you know, what, what difference could that make? Well, I come to find out this person watch this show every day, day after day after day, month after month, week after week, and had come under the influence of the characters of this television program and had literally begun to look at everything through the same cynicism that the characters of this program looked at it through. It was amazing. It was literally an amazing phenomenon. That's why you've got to be so careful to try and determine and judge what's influencing you. Now, churches like this one are difficult for this reason. They put demands upon you that many churches do not put upon you. The demands of the Word of God, and I say the church puts it on you. It's really not the church that puts it on you. It's the way we approach the Word of God. A totally, uh, how can I say this, an abandonment, abandoning self and flesh and the world system and the devil 
and doing our best to seek the information and knowledge of the Word of God that makes us who we truly are, which are the children of God living on earth, which is not our home. Amen. That's why the Bible calls us ambassadors. What are ambassadors? They're people from another place, people from another nation living on foreign soil. Listen, if you're a born-again Christian, you're living on foreign soil tonight. You're not, you're not where you belong. You belong in heaven. You belong in the presence of God. But you're living on foreign soil. So as you begin to, as you begin to approach the Word of God, there are demands. that the, the first demand is to renew your mind. There's a demand for you to present your body a living sacrifice. There's a demand for you to study, to show yourself approved. There's a demand for you to praise and worship God. There's a demand for you to tithe and offer and give. There's a demand for you to be a part of a local church. There's a demand for you to live holy and righteous to manifest the righteousness that God's already given you in Christ Jesus. Amen. To segregate yourself from all kinds of things like gossip and, 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 you know, uh, prejudice and uh, just all kinds of negative things that are in our society. And it's just natural. Remember what it says in Ephesians, is we were by nature children of wrath even as others. God desires to break that nature, eradicate that nature. He did it in our spirit, and through the demand that the Word of God puts on us, He does it in our flesh and in our minds. That's why the influence of the Word of God totally and radically changes your perception, and when that perception begins to change in you, others can see it. It is the greatest witnessing tool on this planet. You say, what do you mean by that? It is not the newness that the new birth brings. It's the change that comes by somebody growing up in Christ and obtaining the character of Christ. It's an amazing phenomenon. Now, here the world could see it. Religion could see it. Go, go real quick to, uh, go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 14, excuse me. Now, here's our... Here's our Here's our new, well, it's not new. It's just a little bit of a, what I would call an amplified definition of perception or to perceive. It says perception or to perceive, its root is perceive, is to attain awareness or understanding, to see or observe in a way that draws a particular conclusion. Now, you know, we can kind of say it like this. Well, my mind is made up. Well, your made-up mind comes from your perception. Amen? I mean, there are things that you look at. You know, I've, I've had some times in my life, we were uh, on a, driving somewhere with some friends of mine years and years ago and pulled up to a bridge uh, on a country road over a river. And everybody wanted to get out and jump off that bridge. And I really don't like heights that much. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I was born in Texas and everything kind of flat around me, you know. And so I looked at that bridge and that water, and I perceived. I had an immediate conclusion that came into my mind, and that was this. I ain't jumping off his bridge. And the first guy that jumped off liked to broke his back. Found out how shallow it was. Amen. And so I'm glad perception kept me from that. But there are other things that I should have had a better perception of but did not because of the influences in my life. Now, Acts chapter 13, excuse me, 14, I keep saying 13, Acts chapter 14. Now, this is unusual. It says, there's set a certain man, this is in verse 8, there's set a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, now notice this, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet, now notice this, and he leaped and walked. Now, notice that that word is in there again. Perceiving, or he perceived, or he had a perception of faith. Now, the the faith was not in Paul. Paul was the one that had the perception. He was the one perceiving, and he had a perception, hey, this guy has faith to be healed. 
So all he did was say this, stand upright on your feet. Now, you can't really teach or preach gifts of the Spirit into this. That was not a word of knowledge, and that was not gifts of the Spirit in operation. That's what was not working of, uh, uh, of uh, gifts of healing in operation. That was simple faith that came by the teaching of the Word of God and a perception of something spiritual from the one that was teaching the Word. That's why your approach to the Word of God must be something very serious in your life because it empowers you to have a correct spiritual perception. I've seen, listen, I've watched people over the years, I've thought to myself, my, why are you doing that? You're fixing to really get yourself in a mess. When I went to Bible school, we had a, a young lady in our class, really precious young lady, who was blind, totally blind from her, from her, from her birth, from the time she was born. She was approximately 25 years old, 25, 26 years old, came to school every day. Uh, they did their best to uh, uh, give her audio tapes, and she had a Braille Bible, and, you know, everybody just treated her just like, just like a sister. Well, we had a real move of the Spirit in a service. I mean, it was just a real move of the Holy Ghost in our Bible school. Presence of God was as tangible as it could be. I mean, it was just, it was like you could cut a slice of it out and just hold on to it. Well, immediately, a guy jumped up and said, God's fixing to heal this blind woman. And he took off out the door because he's going to go out and get some mud and rub it on her eyes. When he, when he went out that door, I thought to myself, this ain't going in good. This ain't going in right. This going to be bad. This ain't going to be good. And so he went, went in and they, they got, you know, the mud and put it on her eyes and everybody's shouting. And, everybody, and I'm just kind of standing back against the wall, kind of like this. I'm going, oh, my goodness. And so all of a sudden, they take her to the bathroom, they wash her eyes, and nothing happens. So they come in, and this guy that jumped up and ran out the door began to chastise the rest of us for our unbelief. Well, you know, first of all, here in this meeting where the Apostle Paul is preaching, I guarantee there's some people there with unbelief in them. Amen? But spiritual perception in you, that's why the Word of God is so important in your life. Because a spiritual perception... Listen, you may be standing in the, in the checkout line at Walmart and a word of knowledge drop in your spirit and say to you, you know, this young lady that's checking you out last night, she was, she was beaten by somebody she's living with. She's confused and hurt. She's in pain. And she needs somebody just to... Or you could be standing in that same line and just have a perception of that and it not be detailed. And all you know is just God touches your heart while you're standing in front of that person. And you know you need to do something to minister to her. And it's not on the level, and I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and why they operate like that and why perception many times, people just perceiving things in God, or they're saying, well, that's the gifts of the Spirit. And it's really not the gifts of the Spirit. It's just the human spirit beginning to dominate the mind and the flesh so that you can perceive that God's trying to do something. Amen? That's where Paul was. Paul was a man of the Word. Paul was a man of the Spirit. Paul was a man of the gifts of the Spirit. Paul was a man of signs and wonders. But in a simple teaching of the Word of God, he perceived a man had faith to be healed who had never gotten, uh, never walked once in his life. And he said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the guy got up and started running around the place. And see, we try to read into that things that are not there. They're just not there. It was a, if, there, if it was a gift of the Spirit, if it was a gift of the Word of Knowledge, it would have not had the word perceiving he had faith to be healed. I can show you other examples of that in the Word. We'll get into that as we proceed into this. So you have to have enough spirituality in you to perceive. In, 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 I don't know why God does it this way. In exposure to the Word. Now this is phenomenal. Growing up as kids sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, not only in our Sunday school classes, our Royal Rangers, our missionists, that's kind of like the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of the Assemblies of God, our CAs, our Christ ambassadors, our, 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 our main sanctuary teaching of Brother and Sister Goodwin, the moving of the Spirit, there was a perception in us as children, myself, my brother, my sister, 
on a trip out to, mom and dad owned a little ranch out in the country years ago, on a trip out there, they were listening to something on the radio, and the kids in the back, sitting in the back, we made the statement to our mom and dad, that's not right, is it? That's not God. And they said, that's right, that's not. We don't believe that way. It was somebody teaching and preaching on the radio. Well, just as a child, there was a perception there that that's not right. That's not the Word of God. That's just somebody's doctrine or religion. That's all that is. It was easy to see. It was easy to understand that. Listen, this will serve you well in your life when it comes to who you do and who you don't approach. It's a big move right now. Now, I'm not here to criticize anything like that. Of going, you know, all, to all of these, uh, going to Walmart and going to the beach and going to all these places and praying for sick folks. Well, the, the issue I have with that is if you get someone healed, how are you going to keep them healed if you don't get them in church? And if you get someone healed and, and, and you can't get them born again, how are they going to stay healed? And if you put healing above salvation, what are you going to do then? And literally what it's doing is causing a lot of confusion to be in people. It's causing a lot of people to, 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 to get out. Now listen, get out and do things and they're, and they're, and they're fa- having to face a lot of failure. You say, what do you mean? Well, they're praying. Uh, the, the one guy that they're uh, following, I went and checked up on, on him on, on the internet, and his testimony was this. I prayed for a thousand people before anybody got healed. <laughs> we should have learned something in praying for a thousand people that didn't get healed. Number one, you don't heal them anyway. I ought to get a better amen than that. I'm your pastor. I'm trying to help you. You don't heal them. Secondly, unless there's an unction or a presumption or a, or, or a perceiving in your heart of God desiring to do something supernatural. Listen, any sick person, any hurt person, any person in pain, they're not going to reject prayer unless they're so stone atheist that, you know, they're, they're you know, going to bust hell wide open. Any hurting person is going to very willfully receive prayer. But Jesus himself said, don't cast your pearls before swine. And we love to get people healed. We love to minister to people. Listen, I've prayed for many people in stores, on airplanes, in airports, in hotel lobbies, in my house, in other places like that. But listen, here's the thing. There has to be a perception of God being in the midst of that. We're not on a fishing expedition. I saw a guy on TBN one time. Boy, he's, he's touted as one of the great prophets of the land. And, and so I thought I would watch him. Here he's up, preached this message, and he had a TBN crowd, and he got up and he started, you know, quote, operating the game. And he, it was kind of like this. Now, this is not exactly what happened, but this is how, what he was doing. They said, Now there's someone here that's got a, uh, you got a hurt back. Nobody, nobody see. He said, Well, maybe not your back, it's your neck. Nobody said, I'm not, no, I know what it is, it's your arm. Well, he kept fishing around there until finally somebody said, that's me. And everybody went crazy. Glory to God. I thought, man, anybody could do that. <laughs> that's not God. That's trying to make something happen. And when you try to make something happen and you try to perform, you're going to get yourself in trouble. That's why during teaching and preaching of the Word of God, or even your witnessing, you ought to have enough spiritual perception about you to ask yourself this question once it stops. Now, does God want to do anything further than this? Amen? It'll keep us from looking like idiots. Amen? Because, listen, the men in the past that had powerful gifts working, Smith Wigglesworth. He had a powerful uh, uh, working of miracles and gifts of healing. Grabbed a woman in a wheelchair, jerked her up out of the wheelchair, stood her up, let go of her, and she fell to the ground. So he kicked the wheelchair out of the way, grabbed the blanket out from between her legs, and said, get rid of this stupid blanket, woman. And then when she did, she stood straight up. Well, that's the gifts of the Holy Ghost in operation. This will keep you safe. Let me help tell you how to stay safe. If you ever have a thought in your mind, this ain't going to work, then don't do it. It's really not that difficult, amen? I mean, if that thought comes in your mind, you know, this may not work, then just don't do it. You say, why? Well, it may be God trying to protect you. But see, Paul, he, had, he perceived, that's all it was, was a perception. All it was was something that brought him to a conclusion. This, has, this man has faith to be. Now, I've seen that over the years. 
I've preached to enough crowds, small and large. And it's amazing when light comes onto somebody's face. And you can tell faith is coming into their heart. And immediately, you can, I've seen it in prayer lines where people would come up in prayer lines and you'd, you'd lay hands on somebody and it'd like laying hands on this pulpit. There's nothing there. There's no perception of any anointing. There's no perception of the power of God. There's no perception. And you know that person walked away without getting anyone, anything because they were up there trying to see if it was going to work. But then there's other times it feels like your whole being will come out of your body and go right into theirs. And symptoms will be gone. And the power of God will be in manifestation. Well, see, God, God loves to do that. But we have to be willing to have the correct spiritual... Pers- I've preached meetings before where I felt this tremendous anointing come in and then look up at the crowd and think, what do I do next? And the Holy Ghost said, just sit down. In times when I didn't, got myself in trouble. One, one, we, were, we were preaching in, in um, Columbine High School. Let me know where that is. It's in Colorado. We were preaching in the auditorium. It just had built that school. And we had preached in this church before and had pretty, pretty powerful meetings, so they had us back. And I got up and preached on the Holy Ghost. And I gave an altar call, and I think, was it 15 or 18 words of knowledge? One, I mean, they just came like you'd, like you'd turn on a faucet, just like that. I mean, just, just went out in the crowd. And so I, I stepped back after I gave that and an and a, and a invitation for people to come up and, 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 uh, and get filled with the Holy Ghost. And not one person responded to any of the words of knowledge or to come up and get filled with the Holy Ghost. So I just turned it over to the pastor. I mean, that's, that's literally what I thought, you know. I mean, I, I perceived that crowd ain't going to receive nothing. They're not going to get nothing. Now, the pastor got up and said, he took about eight or ten of those words of knowledge and pointed to the people. He was talking to you. 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 And then he got up and said, and there's about 50 of you here that need to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I perceived the thing was over when nobody responded because many times when you don't respond to the Spirit of God, that grieves the Spirit. He goes. He leaves. And I'm telling you, once he leaves, and you can ask Leah, she's my witness. The pastor got so frustrated he just prayed and dismissed, and am I right? The people lined up down the aisle for me to pray for them. Every one of them. You say, what did you do? I told them this. I said, well, I'll pray for you by faith, but that's all I can do. Because faith may can help you, it may not, but God had manifested himself through a gift, and you could have gotten what you were believing God for. Well, that's a real wonderful atmosphere to minister in right there. Amen? Now, real quick, let's go to one more. Is this helping anybody? Now, this one, I like this one. This is over in Galatians. Let's see here. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Now, this one here, oh my goodness, I probably should have started with this one. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about an encounter with the leadership of the move of God, Peter and the apostles, verse 9, Galatians chapter 2. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. Now, this is what he's saying. The same God that anointed Peter to minister to the Jewish people, has anointed me to minister to the Gentiles. Amen? That's pretty simple to see. It says this. It says, And when, when James and Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Now, do you see that? They perceive the grace that was given unto me. Now, this is talking about in the body of Christ, among ministry, laity, and those that at times have an ability to perceive grace on people. 
Now, there's people all the time wondering, why hadn't I been promoted in the things of God? Why hadn't God done this? Why hadn't God done that? Why hadn't God done this or that? You know, all I can say is this. If it's God, you're going to have the grace to do it. Grace is the ability of God to promote you beyond your ability to promote yourself. And grace can be seen upon people. And if the grace is not there for that promotion or whatever you think you're believing God for, you can't afford to get mad, to get upset, to get offended, or to think, well, you know, there's just people trying to hold me back. That's the same trap that Eve fell into in the garden. Got under the influence of that. Amen? Now, I don't know why. I don't know why God puts grace on people the way He does. I don't know why God... I, I'm amazed any time that God uses me, any time that I've ever been able to minister, preach, flow in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, I'm absolutely amazed that God would even use me. I'm amazed at the grace that I've seen upon my life and how it's opened doors, kept me safe, blessed me, done this, done that. But let me just say this about that. If you don't accept that grace and walk in it with humility, it'll get cut off. And listen, when it gets cut off in people's life, especially if you had some kind of grace working for you, when that grace gets cut off, listen, it'll, if you're not careful, you'll get very cynical and you'll get offended at God. I've seen people leave churches over this. I've seen people leave ministerial organizations. I've seen people get mad, get upset, tear their ministries up, do all kinds of crazy things. But listen, when there is a grace, thank God that Peter and James and John had enough spiritual sense to look at a guy who used to tear the church to pieces. He did all kinds of things to try to destroy the church. He gave authority to the stoning of Stephen. He was their number one deacon. But then he got gloriously saved. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. There was an obvious door open for him to preach the gospel. And Peter and James and John saw what? They saw grace upon him. And that grace did what? Afforded him the right hand of fellowship. Not the left foot of fellowship. They didn't kick him out. They afforded him the right hand of fellowship. Listen, in, the, in, the, in one certain Pentecostal denomination, if you go through a divorce, you're done. You cannot hold a ministerial license. You could be the greatest pastor. Some of the pastors that I know that pastor independent churches, they had to uh, break away from that uh, uh, Pentecostal denomination because something happened in their marriage. They ended up in a divorce and they took all their credentials away. But they still had grace on them to pastor. But see, that denomination took one scripture out of context and canceled the grace of thousands of their men. It's amazing. It's amazing. Listen, it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter how hard you fall. It's whether or not you get up in the grace that God has put upon your life. That's what makes the difference. And listen, Paul had some, they could have said, you know, they could have got, got over and said, listen, man, you know, this guy, Paul, yeah, he, man, it's obviously he's had an experience with God, but man, I heard he was in jail in Philippi. Did you hear about that? I mean, I, I know there, there was somebody said it happened because of this, but he was in jail. Well, that, that would have what? Well, that would have, that would have canceled their fellowship right there. That would have caused them not to, not to accept him for who he was, the apostle who he was. I mean, we have to recognize and realize of all of the apostles, of course, if we study the apostolic calling, there are 12 that will never be 12 like before. That's the apostles of the Lamb. Amen. Then there's the apostle of the new covenant. There'll never be another apostle Paul. There'll never be one. Listen, the, the, the letters that he wrote are written to us, not for us. The Old Testament and the Gospels are written for us. These letters are written to us. You go back and look in my, in my, in my, uh, in my books at my house and, and, and in my office, all of my old Bibles, all of them are worn Right in here, right where all these letters are to the... Because that's written to me. 
That's where I live. That's where I meditate. That's where I study. That's where I, that's where I get most of my revelation and information. I love the Old Covenant. I love the Gospels. Y'all know I teach and preach on all that stuff. But when it comes to what's really mine and written to me, it's going to be those letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And then there were some other letters that Peter and James and John wrote that added to that, 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 that uh, canon of Scripture that we call what's really the New Testament. Now, what if Peter and James and John would have rejected Paul and not seen the grace upon him? It might have been much more difficult for the Holy Ghost to get us that information. But thank God they accepted him. And much of what he taught and preached was taught and preached around them because Peter said in 2 Peter, now you need to listen to Paul because he knows some things that we don't know. Now, they're hard to hear. (laughs) I guarantee you they are. Because he had had an x-ray view where they had a portrait view. Amen. And even with that x-ray view that he taught, still Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John painted a portrait. That shows you it was the Holy Ghost that was doing it. That was giving them the grace to write the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me close with that. You say, what point are you trying to make? You have to discover the grace in your life as a believer because it is the grace that is upon you that's going to take you where God wants you to go. Now, if I was to tie this all together with what we've been preaching on Sunday, I would say it like this. The grace of God will put you in your Eden. You say, what is your Eden? Your Eden is the will of God. You say, how do you know you're in the will of God? Well, the will of God will pretty much keep you healthy, keep you wealthy, keep you blessed, keep you happy, keep you full of joy. You say, well, I'm not healthy, wealthy, blessed, and full of joy. You need to get in the will of God. You need to get in the will of God. Amen? Now, once in your Eden, you've got to what? You've got to understand the intention of God for your life. And the intention of God on your life will be played out through the grace that He supplies for you. Every one of us is given a measure of grace. Ephesians chapter 4. We're also given a measure of faith. Faith and grace are imparted unto us. And it's not that we have it, it's what we do with it. I've seen people with great grace to do something that never entered into that grace. I've seen other people with great grace upon them that frustrated that grace. Listen, you may have grace to work in the nursery. You may have grace to be an usher. You may have grace to work up in the sound booth. You may have grace to sing on the platform. You may have grace to be a missionary. You may have grace to be a minister. If you do, you've got to figure out how does this work. And you go into it just like Abraham took off out of, of the place he was in, 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 in Genesis chapter 12. Hebrews says it like this, he went forth not knowing where he was going. You just got to step out into it. Just like, just like Paul and his group did when they tried to go uh, to, to Asia and to Bithynia and the God said no and the Holy Ghost, they just keep moving. They just kept looking, looking for that grace. And where was that grace? That grace was in a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come on over here, come on over here and help us. When I started in ministry, I had every person in the world prophesying me, trying to tell me what to do. One person said, you're going to reach thousands of youth. You're going to be preaching to huge crowds of you. Another lady come up prophesying, big service, big thousands of people. She grabbed my hands. You got gifts in your hands. All this kind of like, none of it agreed with my spirit. None of it did. But when the Lord spoke to me and said, now you go to the local churches and you help those pastors build those churches, I got that nice warm velvety feeling right here. And so one guy, one person dared to have me come. One person. One person. And I went to his church and preached a Sunday through Wednesday. And he saw grace on me. And he's not a big pastor. And he don't have a big church. But I still go to that church every year. And the things that have gone out, gone on in that church and the things that God has done through our ministry in that church, other ministers have come, other people have heard about it, other things have happened. And in 30-something years of fellowship with this pastor and his wife and the grace that is upon him as a pastor and the grace that was on us as traveling ministers caused our ministry to expand. He told someone else, they had a sin. They saw that grace. He told someone else, they had a sin. They saw that grace. They told someone else, they had a sin. They saw that grace. That's how it happens. That's how ministries are built. They're built by that grace. Businesses are built the same way. Success at jobs can happen the same way. 
You can be the most untalented, inept person in the pla- on the planet and God give you a job, God give you a place somewhere at somebody's factory, in somebody's business, and next thing you know, He puts grace upon you to do it. Next thing you know, you become the best employee in that place. Next thing you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. God's taking you up the ladder of success and blessing you. That's because of the grace that is upon your life. If you're working, if you're running a business, if you're doing something without grace, what you will do is you will work yourself to death. Ministry is the same way. I have several acquaintances that I know that started out in ministry at the same time I did that are dead and in the grave right now. You say why? Because they lived outside the grace. I like what Brother Hagin said years ago. The devil can't stop you. He'll try to push you too far. And if he pushes you out of that grace, then I guarantee you, you'll wear yourself out. But if you stay in that grace, just like Paul did, next thing you know, he's got Peter, James, and John. They're his buddies now. You thought that, think that opens doors? Sure, that opened doors for him. Sure, that brought him favor. Sure, that brought him blessings. That helped him do what God called him to do. And the same thing's true with every one of us in here. There is a grace. Listen, there's a corporate grace on us as a church. Did you know that? We see it operate in a lot of areas. In protection. I mean, why do you think we pray that prayer at the end of every service? Called God, God gave us that by revelation. A lady that I knew in Brownwood, Texas, wrote a book on Psalms 91. I preached in their church two times, held two revivals in their church. Reading that book after we started Island Church, the Lord spoke to me and said, Now you pray a Psalms 91 uh, based prayer after every service, and my grace of protection will be upon the church. Amen? I mean, we've had a lot of things happen. People have had accidents. Things have happened. But listen, in just about everything that happens, God's provision of protection and safety has been there. It's amazing how God does that. I've seen other churches that have all kinds of catastrophe and problems. We've had grace for finances and trying to push through to a new grace to build that building. There's great resistance because the enemy knows if we ever step into that grace, that building goes up like that. You say, well, why would he resist it? The reason he resists it is because all of these countries hanging around on these walls right here, he has seen us give millions of dollars in to these nations to evangelize them and bring people to Jesus. So he knows if they ever step into that grace for that building, they're going to do even more of that, and they're going to build that building, and they're going to get even bigger, even stronger. So he comes in to do what? To frustrate that grace. And that's where everything, well, I'll pick that up next week. You say, why is that? Well, that's where a lot of people begin to get the wrong idea thinking about what our intention is. And once you get the wrong idea about the intention of a church, you're fixing to get under the influence, your perception will change, and you'll be fully persuaded, that ain't where I'm supposed to be. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's God or not. Because the adversary has a way of getting people out of their Eden. Amen? You love the Lord? You mad at me? Everybody look like they're mad at me or something. Does that help you? Lift your hands. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you, Father, for the perception that is working in our hearts for us to see and bring to a conclusion in our minds that's what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we're not spinning our wheels. It's not pie in the sky. We thank you there is a particular purpose and plan for us as a people. For every person that's here, in their jobs, at their businesses, I thank you, in their ministries, I thank you they make a discovery of the grace that has been given them. Grace to, 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 to build, grace to, 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 to preach, grace to uh, work in all types of different things that people work in around here and to prosper greatly at it. So that when the world sees us in God's grace, they perceive we've been with Jesus. They see it. We don't have to tell them. We don't have to try and convince them. They see we've been with Jesus. Fathers, we leave tonight. We thank you. We never take it for granted 
that there is a grace of protection and safety over us. It's dangerous to travel I-45. It's dangerous to live on an island which increases 200,000 people every weekend. It's dangerous to live on the coast of Texas. But we thank you, Father. You have put a grace on Island Church for protection and safety. We declare over each and every person, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways. We thank you for that grace and the righteous labor of our hands. Our men that work out in the ocean. Our men and women that work up at UTMB and all the medical, uh, medical clinics around. Our men and women that work in the, in the petrochemical plants. Men and women in construction, in retail, in education, working on the railroad, doing all kinds of work in our community. Thank you for a special grace of not just protection, but of promotion and blessing and increase. And Lord, anyone here that is not in a place in which grace can be given unto them, let them immediately find it out and seek your grace. We ask it in Jesus' name for the sake of our own lives, and for the sake of longevity. Thank you as we leave tonight. There's a grace upon us to be a witness. That men and women outside the four walls of this church will perceive, just like Caiaphas, just like Gamal, just like those high priests, looked at those unlearned and ignorant men and perceived they'd been with Jesus. Thank you. Galveston Island, Galveston County, Everywhere we go, whatever we do, people perceive, not that we go to Island Church, not that Rusty Martin is their pastor, they perceive that we've been with Jesus. Thank you as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you, Lord. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.